Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today we've got a great emergency department malicious compliance story. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, company cybersecurity group sends email telling us to report suspicious emails. So I report their email because it was suspicious. TLDR, company head of cybersecurity group, sent emailed the 6,000 plus employees with example of suspicious email that should be reported. Turns out that was a real phishing email with active links to a malicious site, so I reported it to the cybersecurity group. So the TLDR is pretty much the whole story. I was working for a large company in the USA that had over 6,000 employees nationally and we had an entire IT group dedicated to cybersecurity. We had to complete training every quarter online regarding different routine cybersecurity topics like phishing emails and such. We even had a dedicated email address that you were supposed to start a new email to and then attach a copy of the suspicious email so they could see all pertinent data you can get from the direct email. So one day, I get an email from the head of the cybersecurity group, and it's an email talking about a specific phishing email that apparently a number of employees reported. I noticed this email talking about it was sent to all 6,000 employees. As I read it, I see that they included the text of the phishing email in it. I assumed as a picture file or something. Nope, it was truly copied into this email. I hovered my mouse over the links in the email and they pop up very suspicious paths to websites that I'm sure had malicious software. I couldn't believe it and I thought maybe they were testing us to see if anyone clicked on it. I followed the procedure and started a new email to the email address dedicated for this purpose and I attached the email from the head of cybersecurity. I sent it off and I got an automated IT job ticket creation email thanking me for reporting it. A while went by without hearing anything that day and I thought maybe this isn't a test. So I sent an email directly to the head of cybersecurity, telling her the links appeared to be active and clickable and suspicious. She replied with, thanks, we'll take care of it and I never heard anything more about it. My job ticket also got closed without comment. So essentially they pretty much just completely disregarded OP. But OP brings up a very valid point that were they not thinking? Why include the phishing scam link to an email that you're going to send to 6,000 employees nationally? Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of malicious compliance, why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our next story is Subway Ops Manager. You can't get rid of it. You have to use that no matter what. Vague title, but shout out to all my Subway friends. Our story begins at a previous job, Subway. One of our sister stores had shut down and they were offloading various equipment to other stores. We ended up getting their bread rack. These things aren't the biggest, but we didn't have a big store and we already had one. So we have this overflowing back room with two bread racks, one partially blocking the fire exit. I was getting more and more annoyed when finally a few days later I asked him one more time, so we absolutely have to use it? 
And Bob, the manager, looked at me like I ate crayons for breakfast and said, I already told you that. Well, if I have to use it, I was never told how I had to use it. Cue malicious compliance. I waited until Bob left for the day, then the fun began. For starters, I made a spot against the wall that would fit our bread rack. I unscrewed the glass door, then took out all the shelving units, then even the metal guide racks on the sides. I then threw in some empty bread trays and a few of the guide racks back and converted it from a bread rack to a miscellaneous storage rack. It actually looked pretty good. Bob wasn't back around to our store for another few days, but when he returned, Bob goes to the back, starts doing his weekly checklist, and then stops at the bread rack turned storage cabinet. He turns around and goes, Who the heck did this? My coworker and I shared a very cheeky grin. I owned it and I said, I did. He asks why, looking all the world like he was ready to write me up. I politely informed Bob that I'd asked to get rid of it. He had told me multiple times to use the bread rack no matter what. He shakes his head in disappointment and goes back to his list. And we go back to our usual sandwich shenanigans. A few days later, our impromptu storage rack had inexplicably disappeared. And Bob was much more careful about how he chose his wording from then on. I mean, you can't blame the employees if you literally cannot use this thing and it's just taking up space and blocking the fire exit. I mean, at least they put in some work to make it mildly usable. Our next story is, need me to stay back and cover a shift? This will cost you big time. This comes from about 15 plus years ago when I was and still am working with people with disabilities in a community home. It's a great job for those who like it, a terrible one for those who don't, meaning that any staff you meet are either very new or long-term like myself. As a consequence, the turnover rate of staff is high and replacement staff are slow to be hired, meaning you often find shifts not covered straight away. This is an industry where simply not having a shift filled isn't an option, particularly where I work, in a house with a single day staff and a single night staff, each working 12 shifts on a 7 day spread over 2 weeks roster. There are some strict rules regarding hours you can work intended to avoid burnout but more used to keep a reign of overtime which in our industry paid plus 70 percent of your hourly rate for the first three hours above your 76 hour fortnightly maximum and a hundred percent plus for any time after that you can't demand overtime but if they require you to work longer they can't not pay you overtime also worth noting is that the people we work with are vulnerable meaning they cannot be left unsupervised Long story short, you can't go home until your replacement arrives. So back in the early 2000s, we were having problems locating staff. Lots of people working overtime and a lot of fresh faces appearing and disappearing. The house I worked in wasn't difficult in particular for adults with intellectual disability, but there was no support, by which I mean the worker there had to fend for themselves. There was no supervisor in the next building, they were miles and miles away. I'd frequently at this time had to stay back half an hour, an hour, waiting for staff to come replace me. I was less than happy with the way it was handled each time I called the office to tell them, the night staff hasn't arrived. Do you know who's booked? To which I'd get the reply, we're still looking. How late can you stay? The obvious answer was, until I'm replaced. But what I often said was, I prefer not to stay after the end of my shift. But that doesn't seem to matter now, so I'll stay here until someone comes. Each time a new face arrived, I'd give them all the information they'd need for the shift, introduce them, walk them through their duties, etc. This would take 20 to 30 minutes. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The point being is I don't just jump ship when a staff arrives to replace me. This is someone's home and I like them. So I'm not going to leave them in the hands of someone uninformed. Cut to that weekend. My roster had me working 12-hour days Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Come Friday night, my replacement didn't arrive. I waited. I sent a text message to the supervisor after 15 minutes, then called after 30, left a message, and when they eventually called back, I could tell they had not found a replacement. I told them I'd stay until they did. This was by that time an hour after I was meant to finish. 10 p.m. Come 11, they call and say they simply can't find a replacement. They offer a deal and say if I stay and do the night shift, I can take the next shift off. It's pretty even so you won't miss out, they said. Then they changed their tone and said, it's not really a request, we have no other option. Treat this as a direction. I reminded them it was a passive house, meaning you got half the hourly rate from midnight but you could sleep in the bed, provided. So I'd actually be taking a pay cut. They didn't know what else they could do so I made a suggestion. I'd stay and do the night shift, but I wasn't going to give up my next shift. I was going to do that one as well. They agreed, it meant they didn't need to find a replacement for me in the morning, so they thought it was a good deal for them. It was, however, an even better deal for me. It took a few emails over the weekend with the union to sort out the particulars, but what happened was this. Once I couldn't leave my work site because of a lack of replacement, I was on overtime. As this overtime was because of a direction, not voluntary, it remained in place until I went home. Because I didn't agree to drop my following day shift, my overtime continued till I ended on Saturday night. The upshot being that working 36 hours in a row resulted in the equivalent of 60 hours pay. I was the first person to, as they say, pull this stunt? And word got around that if you didn't get replaced, you were actually the person who was in a position of power. It didn't take long until the department put a little more effort into training and employing extra staff, so something like this never happened again. Not at least to me. When you see those bonuses, sometimes it's just well worth it to try to take that extra day. It's not your fault that they're short-handed enough to allow such a thing to happen to them. Our next story is, you don't want to wait in the emergency department? If you insist. Don't know for sure if this fits here, but I thought you guys would appreciate what happened tonight. For starters, I work as a security guard for one of the few hospitals in our city. Besides dealing with combative patients, visitors, and doing patrols around the campus, we occasionally get asked to assist with getting people out of their vehicles, 
and escort them by wheelchair to the emergency department or their appointment at an on-site clinic. Today, a couple of nurses came to our office asking for our help. They had received a call from a gentleman, who we will call Gerald, asking for help to get out of their car, as he was in severe pain. I went out with the nurses, pushing a wheelchair and radioing my partner to come assist, as it sounded like it was going to take some extra hands to help him out. It took a little bit for us to find him, but we found him thanks to him blowing his car horn for all to hear. Now, I have interacted with dramatic people before, and this guy was no different. He told us all about how he was in so much pain, how he drove himself all the way over here and couldn't move the car anymore, and how he needed to be treated. We tried to offer help, but he refused to grab our arms or hands to steady himself, relying on the car door and the wheelchair to get himself in it. Once he got himself settled, he asked me to move the vehicle to a better parking spot. After all, he had handicap stickers and he needed the space to get in when he finished his visit here. So I obliged, feeling a little bit odd about the whole situation, and moved his car to a handicapped spot near the emergency department entrance. Gerald got checked in at the emergency department, and we were done with the situation. At least, that's what I thought. Boy, we were wrong. Not even 20 minutes later, I get told that this guy wanted to leave and wanted us to take him back to his car. Apparently, he started complaining and moaning about how the wait time was too long. Keep in mind that there were people in the waiting room who had been there for hours. The emergency department was very full today, and this guy couldn't stand being there for even a few minutes. I first checked with the emergency department staff because I was worried about the fact that he himself said he couldn't drive. They told me that since they hadn't triaged him and he wanted to leave so soon, they legally couldn't hold him here even if they wanted to which they didn't care that much since they were already busy with treating their patients. So I went back out to the emergency department and asked him point blank if he was really sure he wanted to leave, because I didn't want to be held responsible in case he drove and got into an accident, but he said yes, he wanted to leave right then and now. So I reluctantly pushed out of the emergency department towards his car. This is where my malicious compliance begins. Gerald starts saying verbatim, When we get to my car, I'm going to call the ambulance. I say, wait, what? They say, yeah, going to call an ambulance. I can't drive and I don't like everyone here except you. They're too slow here and I'm not going to spend all night here. Besides, calling an ambulance will get me to a room quicker and I can get help with my pain. I say, so you want to call an ambulance to take you to the emergency department when you're already here at an emergency department and all that because the wait time is too long for you? He says, yeah. I say, you realize that if you call an ambulance, they may just take you back to the waiting area and have you wait there, right? They say, yeah, I know that. I'm still going to call. I say, well, okay, if that's what you want to do. So after helping the guy into his car, I decided to let him do just that. At that point, there was nothing else I could really do. After all, I'm just a security guard, not his doctor. So I pushed the wheelchair back inside and went about my business. About 30 minutes later, I'm looking at CCTV footage and right there next to this guy's car is an ambulance. My jaw dropped. The guy actually called 911 for an ambulance and they came. I continued to watch as the EMT workers helped the guy into a gurney and placed him into the ambulance. Then, to my utter shock, they drove off campus. I thought they were going to drop him off back there, but they freaking left for another hospital? I then realized a couple of things. One, 
this guy's going to another hospital and going to be gone for who knows how long. Two, when he gets discharged, he's not going to have a ride because, you guessed it, his car is over here at this hospital. Plus, our policy is that if a car is parked in our lot for a few days and we've confirmed that the owner is not here, we have to call the police and report an abandoned vehicle. So this guy is now getting additional costs added to his medical expenses because he took the ambulance. Possibly have to wait even more in the emergency department of another hospital before being seen and may rack up some fines for abandoning his car depending on how long he's there. All because he didn't want to wait in the emergency department with everyone else. But hey, guess 20 minutes was way too much for him. I mean, I respect the game plan, but yeah, it's definitely very, very flawed and can go very, very bad. I mean, I don't know what this guy's planning on doing with his car. I guess he's just saying, screw it, I'll deal with it when I have to. I mean, clearly Gerald doesn't have much patience. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another awesome malicious compliance story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.